It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and I always love to talk to smarter people than me, and I believe this person is that, uh, because there's a company called MediaWise. It's a nonpartisan program uh, within the Pointer Institute that started back in 2018. And if you're just confused about what's the truth, what's not true uh, when it comes to, uh, let's say, elections, since that's on a lot of people's minds, we have the program manager and editor of MediaWise, Katie Byron, to a welcome to KMOX in St. Louis. How are you? Bo, how are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. I want to find out what this is all about. It, all, it started out off as a teenager program to, uh, to teach teenagers how to sort fact from fiction online. And as I spend more and more time on social media, I think I need this program too. <laughs> well, you're in luck because, yes, we started with a teens-focused program with MediaWise. It is a digital media literacy initiative of the Pointer Institute nonprofit, nonpartisan, but we have expanded uh, over the past two years and added a program for first-time voters with our MediaWise Voter Project and also a seniors program, which for us we, um, we count as 50-plus going off of what AARP uses. So I don't know how old you are, Bo, but maybe that might be in your more in your range or more your speed. Are you, hold on. Are you deciding this on the quality and the, the deepness of my voice? Because this voice has been around since I was 14. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> my husband has a deep voice also, so no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let, let, let's talk about the genesis of it, though, because uh, it was sure. meant originally for uh, teenagers. What were the results of teenagers taking this program? So um, the MediaWise Project, like you said, started in 2018, and a lot of people have um, think that teenagers, because they've grown up with the Internet, are more digitally savvy, but yeah. research uh, has shown time and again that that is not the case. This is um, an issue that people struggle with uh, as young as 13 or up way through a senior age demographic, um, which is why we're kind of building this program um, up through all age groups for Americans. Um, but essentially what the Pro- MediaWise Project is all about is teaching people how to think more like professional fact-checkers when they're consuming content online, right. particularly on social media. Well, uh, so again, the, the, the success that you had with the teenage program then launched you into the college age or the first, first time voter age and then 50 plus, by the way, I have been getting AARP cards for about four years now. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, so, so what are they learning, uh, in this program, all three categories? What, what, what is the best thing that you can say about this? Because I do want to mention it's a free program uh, for people, and we'll discuss how you can get this and, and get connected to it. Uh, but Katie, uh, are, do you believe that the teenagers are more savvy now after taking your your course? Absolutely. And we have, uh, we've reached 33 million people wow. with, um, uh, our content has been viewed 33 million times uh, across platforms since we launched in 2018. So there's a voracious appetite for what we're teaching. And really, it's all about, like I said, thinking more critically um, and thinking more like professional fact checkers. That's what we're teaching because Stanford History Education Group did some research back five years ago uh, that really started this whole program um, that showed um, when you looked at three different uh, types of people they surveyed. One, One group was professional fact checkers, so journalists like myself, 
Um, one group was undergraduate students at Stanford, and the third group was um, historians. And they found very quickly testing these three groups that the professional fact-checkers were significantly better than the other two groups at discerning what was real and accurate and reliable on the Internet. So what we're doing is teaching the masses the skills and tools that fact-checkers use to do their jobs, which is why this project found a home at the Pointer Institute, because Pointer is a nonprofit, nonpartisan journalism teaching organization. Right. So that's really the crux of what we do. Um, there's a couple of quick tips I'd love to share with your audience, because I know that people are... Uh, very confused by a lot of misinformation that's being shared constantly. You know, daily we're seeing misinformation and, and at times disinformation, which is deliberately misleading information. Or just opinion. Shared. Or just opinion. You know, it comes yes, off. Or it, just opinion. I, I've said yes. this before, uh, you know, the likes of Sean Hannity, you, you know what you're going to get when you tune into him because he's just going to play you sound bites, the same ones he's been playing for years. Um, he's going to just, you know, bullet point things uh, because, you know, we could say that Fox leans right. Uh, but then if you tune into Rachel Maddow or Chris Cuomo, uh, it's almost like you could start their broadcast with once upon a time. And then they, they tell you a story, which is, is not sometimes doesn't seem like it's based on facts. Um, and so, yes, please share with me. Uh, by the way, Katie Byron is our guest, program manager, editor of MediaWise. Uh, please share with me some tips that people can get right now and then hopefully get to your program. Yes. So number one is the three very important questions that are really the foundation of the MediaWise project that were developed by the Stanford History Education Group, one of the original partners on MediaWise. These are questions that journalists ask themselves when they're doing their work, so it's very helpful to anyone when they're consuming content online and even watching television, like you mentioned. The questions are, number one, who is behind the information? What kind of um, bias might they bring to these potential, this information that they're sharing? You know, what are their motivations? Seeking out more information about who is sharing it or an account on social media is very, very important right now. Right. Um, number two is what is the evidence? Is this person or account sharing evidence to support what they're saying? If there's no, I like to say, you know, when I see any kind of posts on social media, if there's no link to back up what they're talking about, some supporting evidence, I love, I love to see a post with a link. Yeah, no, <laughs> just gives a, you more. And, and I've gotten in trouble with that too. It's like, I'll see something, I'll have an emotion about it. I'm going to, I'm going to share it. And then all of a sudden I get this, you know, this, this, you know, drenching load of people going, hey, you're wrong. It was fact checked. It's wrong. So yeah, we've all been, I think we've all been in that situation because I think we're all just looking for the truth. But so we've got who's behind it, uh, and mm-hmm. e- evidence. And what's your third point? And the third is what are other sources saying? And I think you nailed it with looking at multiple, you know, TV cable news outlets, for example, I think that's very important to do right now in such a, a, a partisan environment that the country is, is in, right. um, is reading outlets and, and reading information from multiple sources on any given topic or story or trending um, issue or anything that you care about related to the election or anything related to the pandemic. You know, reading two, three, sometimes four sources on any given subject is super important to getting out of your own kind of echo chamber and, you know, breaking those kind of silos that people have 
developed over time. Don't you miss, Katie, don't you miss when, if it was in black and white, it was the truth? Do you remember those days? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to tell people, you know, if you're talking about black and white on the cover of a newspaper, everyone has to learn to be their own social media newsfeed editor. That's what we're teaching ultimately, because... Otherwise, you can get a lot of garbage in there. <laughs> and you can lose friends, which, you know, I probably have enough at this point. No, I'm just kidding. Um, should, we should do this again, and I'll talk, I can give you some tips um, and your audience some tips about how to talk to family and friends when you see them sharing this information. Oh, I need to hold. take that course right this second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, good luck to you. Thank you so much for the help. And, yes, I would love to talk to you again soon uh, about uh, what you guys uh, discover. And, uh, again, thanks for sharing the information. That's pointer.org slash MediaWise and that is katie byron and if you're anything like me you are looking forward to traveling in 2021 hopefully right fingers crossed we've got the 50 best trips we're going to talk about coming up next on the voice of st louis kmox it is the voice of st louis kmox my name is bo matthews and if you just need to get out of your four walls Boy, do I have a a guest for you that you do not want to miss. Jessica Dunham has written a book called The Open Road, 50 Best Trips in the USA. Welcome to St. Louis. Welcome to KMOX. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am well. I'm excited to talk to you today. Okay, you wrote the book, so does this mean you went to all 50 stops? (laughs) Um, I went to pretty much everything that's in this book, although I did have help from other writers. There was no way for me to cover uh, every single mile listed in the book. So it was a collaborative effort, but I can tell you I have done my share of driving around the United States. And that's a beautiful thing to do. We have a beautiful country to see. There's lots of places to go to, whether it's the world's largest ball of twine. And man, what a perfect time to release this book because people are wanting to get out. Whether And I always encourage a day trip, a, 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 a tank of gas trip, whatever it is, even if it's a little distance or it's a full-on week, you're you know going across the country, um, out of your 50 best trips in the USA, Jessica, what is your favorite? <laughs> oh, you're, you're coming out with a hard question right away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, book is, the book is great because it's exactly what you said. It's organized into super short two-day trips, or if you want to do something long, we have 21-day trips. And probably my very favorite road trip is the 21-day coast-to-coast adventure from Sacramento, California to Ocean City, Maryland. It follows Route 50 all the way across the country, and it actually goes right through St. Louis. So you could hop on it for uh, the entire portion if you wanted or or just do um, a little weekend trip. Route 50 is also known as the loneliest road because in portions of it in Nevada, there's not a stoplight, there's not a stop sign, there's not a person to be found. It is true isolation. Well, it, it sounds like fun, and I, I have to believe when you, when you see a title of a book like this, uh, I know that there's some Americans that are going to go, you know what, I take this as a challenge. <laughs> I never thought about that. Uh, I hope that someone does. I hope someone does all 50 road trips. The book is broken into regions. So um, no matter where you are in the United States, even if you're in Alaska, even if you're in Hawaii, there are five to eight road trips 
per region. So you could definitely tackle a lot, even in your own backyard, or if you wanted to take the challenge, which I think we should officially say is a challenge, <laughs> uh, you could do it. We, we should uh, we should maybe get uh, an app designer to, to make a game out of it, you know? <laughs> There's prizes if you go to all 50 or something like that. Um, so you say Route 50, other than the desolate area of Nevada, what other, what other, I mean, have you been on that part of the book? I did the entirety of the loneliest road. I have, I have done from Sacramento to Ocean City, Maryland. The cool thing about the loneliest road is that it, it really takes you through, um, I would say the backbone of America because for much of the route, Route 50 is two lanes, and it goes through small towns. It goes through big cities. Like I said, it actually goes right through St. Louis. Um, it takes you through the Rocky Mountains. It takes you through the gold country of California. Wow. It, you get to wind through the mountains of West Virginia. You go straight through Washington, D.C., and then you end at the Atlantic Ocean in Ocean City. Like, what could be more epic than that? That is beautiful. You can dip your toes in the Pacific and then dip your toes in the Atlantic um, all on the same <laughs> trip. Now, um, now, did you do it in a, in a car or did you have an RV? How did, how did you do some of the trips that are in your book? I did all of the trips in a car, in a, in a car. But you can certainly do you can certainly do an RV. I know, especially during these times, RV sales and RV rentals are up. So yeah. I think people feel a lot more comfortable traveling in an RV. But I did them all um, by car. In the book, in the in the front of the book, I kind of list out sort of which road trips are best for, for either different types of travelers or different types of vehicles. And there are some road trips that are great for motorcyclists and bicyclists too. So it, there really is something for everyone. That that's fantastic. And you know, I, I my my wife uh, is really not a, an RV girl. Uh, she she fears breaking down on the side of the road. And how big of a tow truck do you have to get for that? And every and I, so I don't have an RV, but I would love to have like a, a you. Know, a rock stars tour bus to cross the country but i but every time i see one i have to tell you jessica every time i see one i think you know there's a lot of five-star hotels in the cost of that rv right there and so you can you can actually stay at some nice hotels uh along the way but uh were you ever worried on on the loneliest road of ever finding provisions food or gas or water anything like that or or were you always were there always something there I think that's such a good question, especially for that particular drive. I'm a planner, so I encourage uh, other wood trippers to plan ahead. So I did, um, and that's kind of what is cool about this book is that it is a true turn-by-turn itinerary. Yeah. So in the book, I tell you exactly, you know, what to do for each day and how far you can get before you need to find provisions because. Uh, in, in the western side of the loneliest road in particular, you could be driving for quite a long time before you come across a gas station. So I've mapped it out so you will never have to be without. I, I <laughs> have follow the itinerary. I actually have uh, an aunt and uncle that are, uh, well, my aunt's almost 70, but my uncle's like 78, and they are just as spry as can be. They'll jump in their car in Minnesota and end up in the Grand Canyon and like, hey, guess where we are? I'm like, what? I want to be, be more like them. 
So it really just takes a little initiative, and maybe this book right here is is going to be the initiative that people are going to need. We're talking with Jessica Dunham, her book, The Open Road, 50 Best Trips in the USA. Um, can I ask you, I, I kind of referenced it at the, at the beginning, did you see the world's largest ball of twine? I did not see the world's largest ball of twine, Bo, but I did see the world's second largest rocking chair. Oh, okay. Is that Oklahoma <laughs> or is that Texas? Standing, Missouri. Oh, it's it's in my state? I didn't know it, that. It is in your state. <laughs> you can hop on Route 66 right there in St. Louis, and you just take it south to Standing, Missouri, and you can see the world's second largest rocking chair. <laughs> and it used to actually rock until the owners decided to bolt it into place for safety. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Now, there's another thing, and I don't know if it's in the book yet, uh, or, or is it in the book, uh, but I keep seeing the Ark Encounter. Have you seen the advertisements for this thing? I have not. Okay, so the Ark Encounter, I think, is in uh, eastern Kentucky. This will be for your second book, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but, but somebody put together, uh, by the biblical parameters and measurements, an ark and they call it the ark encounter and it's like noah's ark sitting on the ground right there i am taking notes as you are speaking i must at this place i think you're right i think i need a sequel uh you're gonna have to uh because there is so much i mean we you know here in st louis we have so much to see uh we were just talking on another show about how many great parks we have around here just in the state of missouri and illinois but of course the national park system is one of the best um but uh but like my wife and i just recently found a uh, a catholic shrine to the miraculous metal which is a a, a symbol of, of mary on a, on a on a coin anyway it's just south of us about an hour and we did a road trip uh, back in september and what was amazing is they have a replica uh, that's two-thirds the size of the the basilica at the Vatican. I mean, with the you know painted ceilings and the painted walls. It is amazing the treasures that this country has that people need to discover. And your book can do that for them. That can help them get on the road and get going, right? Oh, I think that's such a good point. I love to tell people about things they didn't know that are in their own backyard. And all it takes is it's so that's, that's the beauty of a road trip is it just takes four wheels or even two wheels and you're, you know, a tank of gas and it's such an easy way. And the other thing about this book that if you're not ready to get back out there, if you're not ready to to leave your house just yet, the book, the book has full color photography. It has, playlist ideas. So it really acts as great fodder for travel, inspiration, and daydreaming. Whether it. whether you actually follow the itinerary or you just sit in your house and think about it, <laughs> the, the book is there for you when you're ready. Is there, a, is there a digital version of it? Can we get it on our Kindle? Is there an audiobook version? Can we, can we get that? So to get more information about the book, you can go to moon.com, that's M-O-O-N.com, that has all of the details about all the different ways you can uh, read the book. It's also available at Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon, any of the major book retailers. This is legit. I'm so excited for you, and congratulations. Was this a passion project? How did it come about? <laughs> Well, I, I love road tripping. My husband and I take a lot of road trips. Um, and so when Moon Travel Guides asked me to write a guide to road trips, I jumped at the chance because 
I didn't have to do a whole lot of hard work. I already knew everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Jessica Dunham, good luck on the book, The Open Road, 50 Best Trips in the USA, and there's probably even more than that. Look for book number two at some point in the near future, I hope. <laughs> Thanks, Bo. It was great to talk to you. My name is Bo Matthews. Thank you so much for listening. We've got more for you coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Thank you so much for listening to the program on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Uh, I promised you a special guest, and I will deliver. My partner in crime, sometimes called, when her and I are filling in for the Mark Reardon show during the week, uh, Carol Daniel is my special guest because we share something else in common. We are both brats. Oh, boy, are we. Military brats. I'm an Air Force brat. Carol, you are a what kind of brat? Army. Army brat. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your dad's service first of all. So I, I learned actually more about the service um, via this ceremony. Um, he was in the Army, retired from the Army after 27 years. He was a drill sergeant and uh, an engineer. And so he retired at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, which is where I was born. Right. And everybody always asked, they asked people like us, so did you travel? Did you travel? Right. And I, I, did, I went to Germany once. I was born in 62 went to Germany, six months old or so. We were there for 18 months, two years, came back, Vietnam. So I didn't go anywhere. Nobody did. Right. Uh, during Vietnam, my father served two tours. And so I grew up, after one stint in Germany, I grew up in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Gotcha. And that's where my father, my father retired from. Yeah, I get that question too. I was born in Japan. And, uh, and we, we did live in the Philippines for a while, lived in Japan. I don't remember Japan, but I do remember the Philippines. I was like four or five, um, in all, all parts around, you know, uh, the United States as well. But anybody that is military understands sometimes you have to move a lot, but tell me about right. what's going on. He, he has gotten some honor from a group of people. Yes, he is. He's 89 and, um, he and my mother have been married for 65 years and in May, because of declining health, we moved them to an assisted living facility, lovingly known as a nursing home. So my brother, my one of my, I have three older brothers, all officers retired from the Air Force, the Marines, and the and the Army. Wow. The Marine, the Marine brother, found this organization, this foundation called Quilts of Valor, and so you have to apply. Uh, you have to be a veteran to receive the quilt, but you have to apply. And so he started this in 2019 and was notified that my father would be receiving a quilt of valor. But COVID, Ugh. and but, you know, but right. my dad is ill. And, and so we had to wait until some semblance of normalcy, which is so weird to even say. And so we had the ceremony um, in their facility, in the library where they, where they live. And so it was just a wonderful, incredible, moving um, ceremony. Quilts of Valor is, uh, is a national organization. They have, since their existence, 2003, I think they were founded, they have awarded over 257,000 Quilts of Valor. Yeah. And what they, what they say, Bo, is that the mission is to cover service members and veterans touched by war with comforting and healing Quilts of Valor. So beautiful to me. And Norma Supinski with the Show Me Quilts of Valor, as she, these are her words, 
six little old ladies making quilts. <laughs> she has a backlog, and I want you to hear what she has to say. There's a backlog of 100 veterans who have been chosen to receive one of the quilts, yeah. but they can't get to them. They need funding, and they just need time. And so I asked her how they raise money. And so listen to Norma Zipinski with Show Me Quilts of Valor. We have quilt raffles, and in our quilt raffles, we get enough money to uh, buy our fabric and our backing to get these quilts quilted. But with COVID, we ran about $700 short of our $1,000 that we usually generate. Anybody that wants to donate, uh, I'm yeah. on their website right now, Quilts of Valor. It's uh, qovf.org. There's a donate tab. The, the quilts themselves, in order to be an official quilt of valor, there are specifications. Sure. Anybody listening, we, we love you if you wanted to do such a thing, but to, to actually give a quilt of valor, it would have to be, um, it would have to reach these specific size and each quote is embroidered with a certain message. Yeah. And it's all explained right there. It's all explained. It's all on the website. So tell me, but tell me about the moment that, you know, I mean, your dad knew this was coming, right? Or knew something was happening. He did. He absolutely knew that this, he was going to be honored with this quilt. I had um, siblings and some of their grandchildren on zoom who were watching. And so my mother was there. and, And as you and I have discussed, my mother has dementia. And so, um, I know that she knew what was going on, right. uh, but short-term memory, the, the question is, tomorrow will she remember that this happened? Right. She'll see this quilt, and she may or may not remember. So, well, then he can tell the story uh, over he, and over to her. He, he can tell the story over and over, <laughs> which, which, you know, uh, they call him old soldier. He will definitely tell the story over and over and over again. He spoke, and he stood up, Bo, and he, the words, the first words out of his mouth were something like, when I was uh, 17, I worked for the railroad, and I thought, oh, man, we're going way back. We right. <laughs> and so he told the story of working for the railroad and going to a depot and seeing uh, one of those old Uncle Sam, I, you know, I want you, we need you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those posters, and I had never heard that story. And, that's, and he looked at that said, you know, say no more, and he answered that call. And, you know, for certainly for black men in the South, um, joining the military was a way out. Absolutely. And yep. Yep. And, and he certainly achieved that, uh, by joining the military, by joining the army. Uh, my mother was a stay at home mom and he ma- he said these poignant words They were poignant to me. He pointed to my mom and he said, she raised five kids. I supported five kids. Wow. Because he was gone. As you know, he sure. was deployed, you know, quite often. And so my mother was that constant. Uh, for us, but he did. He did make the joke that um, I, I'm calling it a joke. He may have been serious, Bo. He, <laughs> he said, "You know, when I was gone, your, you know, your mother, like he was talking directly to us. Your mother was raising the kids, and 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 he said, if the boys did something illegal, she would have to write me a letter." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, what did they ever do that was illegal? When he wow. was in Germany, they were like, you know, eight years old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> wow. Well, what, what an honor. And uh, Quilts of Valor seems like a, an unbelievable organization. And, and again, you can make a quilt. Uh, they've yes. got quilt patterns. You can make a, just simply make a cash donation. That would be the biggest help. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. It's amazing, though, because you didn't serve in the military, correct? 
No, I did not. Yeah, well, he, my dad told me I should, but I didn't. See, my dad told me I wasn't military material at coming out of high school. I was like, okay, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but he wanted, you know, just like that that poster spoke to your dad, and he answered that call. My dad lived in inner city Miami and wanted out, and, and the Air Force was that way to do that. Mm-hmm. But he was such a scrawny little punk, he had to eat six pounds of bananas to make weight. But he did it. Are you it. kidding me? And 40, wow. 47 years later, he uh, he put, he put in 47 years with the Air Force. It was uh, That is amazing. A lot of honor. Well, amazing. thank you for the story, and thanks for your, your siblings that are military, and thank you, of course, to your father. Uh, what, what was his uh, retired rank? Uh, Master Sergeant. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. What, a, what a great yeah. career. And, and the and fact to that... Have to, yeah, to have three sons who, you know, they all, one retired as a colonel and the other lieutenant colonels. Uh, my husband was in the was in the army, um, so wow. we are definitely a, an armed forces family. And the discipline my dad talked about uh, um, during the ceremony, he talked about um, doing what you're supposed to do, and, and why he said, "Bo, why was not in your our vocabulary?" Right. <laughs> wow, it's in <laughs> and, mine. <laughs> and I had, it is in mine, and I had to laugh because I was the why child. Why, why, why? <laughs> And when he said that during the ceremony, I just had to chuckle because I did nothing but ask why. I think you traveled down the right path, though, because you ask the questions why all the time. You've been doing that for 25 years on KMOX. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Your path is laid out. All right. Well, Carol, thank you. Great talking with you. You too, uh, And thanks to your father. His name? Isaiah Keeler. Carol, as always, thank you so much. Thanks for telling that story, and uh, thanks for your friendship. My name is Bo Matthews. There's more to come on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. A lot of people are looking for things to do, places to go see Christmas lights. And that's why I want to talk to the VP of Lodging Hospitality Management at Union Station, Todd uh, Hodling. Uh, welcome to KMOX. Uh, how are you, sir? I am great. Happy holidays. Thanks so much for having us on. You know what? I'm excited because uh, everybody, you know, we don't know what's available. And when you have family coming in, you know, they're traveling in from far away. Uh, Even during the pandemic, people are just, they want to get out and they want to enjoy, you know, going to see the Lady of the Snows or, you know, wherever they want to go see the holiday lights. Downtown is alive and well at Union Station. Can you shed some light, Todd, on on what you've got uh, prepared for people that want to come down and see what you've got going on? Yes, absolutely. There's so many things to safely see and do down down at Union Station right now, whether it's the Polar Express experience, where it's one of the only places in the Midwest you could actually travel to the North Pole right now. It's a walk-through <laughs> train experience, and uh, it's just a magical event down there, and we've done it you know, many years, and this year it's not a moving train, but it's a, they've done a really great job of recreating the different uh, elements of the book there, and families come down you can put your all your matching pajamas on that's my favorite part is seeing all the families in their matching pajamas hold on they're really doing that oh you'd be surprised it's a it's 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 you know i don't know if all the dads appreciate it as much but i definitely (laughs) appreciate it it and they're they're definitely doing it. it and it's just so it's exciting just to see the kids faces as they light up and they see the you know they meet santa and his and his workers there and and uh, obviously the Polar Express 
story is such a great, fantastic story for the holidays. But, you know, even beyond that, we have the, the Grand Hall, which is doing like a holiday pop-up bar in there nightly and some really fun uh, holiday crafted cocktails in there that you could go. And, and normally, the you know, the Grand Hall is full of different events and, and private functions, and, and those have all canceled. So we have this wide open where you could come in and it's it's all space seating and and uh, enjoy a really great cocktail in that gorgeous Grand Hall space and catch a couple of the light shows in there. Todd, how long have you been with Union Station? I've been with Union Station for over 10 years. Wow. So from the the development of us, you know, uh, revitalizing it and renovating it to the opening of the of the St. Louis Aquarium, which is what almost almost a year old. It's it's crazy because the anticipation was so much. Just like the Arch Grounds, I had uh, friends come in from out of town. They couldn't wait to see what they had done with the Arch Grounds, with you know the revamp of the uh, museum and everything. And then when they found out that uh, you had an we had an aquarium at, at Union Station. They were over the top, and it is such a great attraction for so many people, and you have the St. Louis Wheel. Have you been to any other big wheels uh, around the world other than St. Louis's? Yeah, the one in Vegas, that huge one in Vegas, and then the Chicago one on the pier there is, is great as well. And, you know, what's it, it's, a year, it's just a year-round thing you can go to because you have these enclosed gondolas uh, down at the St. Louis Wheel, that so it's you know it's a nice you know, seventy-two degrees all the time up there, and they have music piping through, and you're not going to get views like that where you can if you have out of town guests, it's a great place to take them. You kind of hey you know over there that's Soulard, and you know that you oh you could see Clayton from here, and and so it's just a great it's just a great area to to kind of showcase the the city, and obviously all the attractions beneath it there really add to the fun. Yeah, it really is truly a destination for so many people, and of course families travel to St. Louis even if. They don't have family here. They just come here throughout the year just to see what else is going on. And uh, Union Station has definitely uh, up their game a lot in the last couple of years. And, boy, to be a part of that renovation and that changeover, has it just been exhausting to see all these different moving parts? Well, that's one word for it for sure. But it's, it's, definitely, <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely been exciting. And, you know, it's such a, it's such a historic uh, gem for us here in St. Louis. And, you know, St. Louis deserved an aquarium. We're one of the largest cities without one. And, and, you know, putting that in and really bringing that to the, to, you know, folks that, that live here locally yeah. has been great. And, and it's, it's really been exciting to have there. And they keep adding stuff on the aquarium. And matter of fact, they're going to add a, a new exhibit, a new animal. So this is, this is breaking news. Okay. What? So oh, we were oh. adding a, this is <laughs> we big. This is big. New, this is, this is going to be big. Now it, this is, this is, it could be weird because you know we're not. It's it's they're basically they're spitting fish, so they're called archer fish, and they, you know, in an environment where we don't want a lot of spitting. But basically, <laughs> yeah, really, we'll isn't be, that ironic? Yeah. So you know, but uh, you have to wear your mask. But the archer fish won't be wearing masks. But what they do is they spit out of like out of the water and they spit their like insects down to eat them. And it's just a it's just a really funny fun thing to see and uh, and do and that'll be coming here really soon so we're excited for that to open up and uh, probably in the next couple of weeks or so we should have that that available and open so they're just always continuing to reinvent down there and do new things and different you know spaces and Good for you. and uh, you know the animals are changing all the time too so uh, so it's just always always something new to come see and do down there. okay in, in in the future when when we're past all this pandemic stuff uh, Todd I've got to know will there be merchandise of these fish that will be like stuff that will be squirting like, like like a squirt gun. I'm thinking this could be this could be some souvenirs that kids will absolutely want. 
Oh, I like the squirt gun idea. That's a that's a great idea. We better we gotta write that down. That's good. We'll put your name on it too. Oh, though. I'm an idea. We'll sure I'm an know. idea machine, Todd. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, of course, a lot of attention is on uh, Sam Page and what uh, St. Louis County is doing for restrictions as far as restaurants go. Can you shed some light on some of the uh, eating establishments there at Union Station for people that want to come down? Yeah, so the soda fountain and train shed, they're all they're all open. They are they are operating with limited capacities to ensure we have appropriate social distancing of between course. family groups that are down there. Uh, and all the team members have to go through a health check before they start their shift and they have to wear masks and and uh, you know, we're just trying to take care of everybody, keep everybody safe. But the soda fountain is just so much fun. They have a, a unique uh, freak shape this uh, this Christmas called Run Run Rudolph, and it's made with clementines uh, ice cream, and it's a uh, peppermint ice cream, and it's just delicious. If you could put more than one down, then you should you should get a T-shirt. But it's a they're just huge shakes that all the family can enjoy, and it's a really fun environment. And and those places are all still open and operating. Well, l- let me tell you, it is uh, it's an exciting time uh, because we are you guys are you know pivoting to make sure people can get down and enjoy it. We're talking to Todd Hodling. He's the VP of Lodging Hospitality Management at Union Station. Um, are are you guys pretty full this year as far as the hotel space goes? Well, nothing like we we would have been normally. Um, yeah, but, but you so, are you yeah. still have uh, visitors uh, staying with you. Yeah, there definitely we have uh, a lot. You know what we've seen is a lot of people locally, a lot of staycations, people trying to get out and come down, and and there's no really better way to experience Union Station and all those attractions just to spend a weekend, you know, or even a weekday there. You know, I think that's and, a great uh, idea. Instead. I really do. And yeah, and, and and it's been really great. We've had you know the the just you know just applaud to the to the team members down there. They're really you know, making it special this year and making these holidays, making the joy of the holidays still happen. So uh, as far as the hotel part of it goes, uh, can you talk about the amenities there? Because I, I think of locals going to, if anybody remembers the Holodome down at 55 and Butler Hill Road, I mean, that was a, a local hotel, but it had a pool and families would just go there. You know, they, you know, they, they live in St. Charles, but they go there for a weekend or even a week-long stay. Um, you're getting locals coming down to the hotel, stay down there. Are the amenities open? Do you have a pool? I, I, I don't even know. Yeah, we do have a pool. It's an outdoor pool, though, so it's a, it'll be That's a little a chilly now. <laughs> yeah. But the summertime, yeah, the summertime, it's great, and you could sit around there and enjoy the, the fire. But, you know, what St. Louis Union Station Hotel has is obviously the Grand Hall we talked about. And yeah. just a, you can't find a more grand lobby and really – America. Okay. And just with with the history and the experience, and that that is it. All and right. then out back, obviously, all the attractions. Perfect. Well. well, Merry Christmas, Todd Hodling of Union Station. Thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh- happy holidays. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and as I've shared with you before, I'm a huge reader. I love to read all kinds of books, everything from the Bible to inspirational books to history books. And I will be honest with you, I hated history when I was in school because I I kept thinking, well, it's already happened. What do I need to know about it? Well, there is a rich history in our area of St. Louis, Missouri, and around, and there is a new book out there called Oldest St. Louis. Nene Harris is the author of this book from Reedy Press. It is available now, so welcome to KMOX, Nene Harris. How are you, ma'am? Well, just fine. I'm excited to talk to you because I have to know how long it took you to come up with this book. I feel like I have been working 
on St. Louis history since I was a child. And my grandmother would go to 6 a.m. Mass on Sunday. She'd come home and start baking. And we would gather in the kitchen, and we knew that, you know, when she finished up mixing up this dough or that dough, if we were right there, we'd get to lick the spatulas or whatever. And before she washed them, and we would get them first. And the whole time, she would be telling us about what St. Louis was like when she was a child. I love that. Now, were you born and raised here? You betcha. What I live in the house I grew up in. What? Right now? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. What what high school did you go to? St. Elizabeth's Academy. It is no longer there. Uh, We had uh, sisters who uh, the order originated in Germany, and they started the high school in 1882. They came here to teach the Germans in St. Louis. They were not allowed to teach anymore in in Germany because of Bismarck's um, nationalization of things. He was putting pushing religious groups out of various orders. Oh my goodness. And out of various jobs because they wanted things more uniform in Germany. That doesn't sound familiar, does it, Nene? Um <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Let's talk about your book. Yeah. <laughs> your book, Oldest St. Louis. Uh you've been studying on this all your life. Um, from, as you just mentioned, from as a child. But what were some of the surprises for you as you were putting together this book? Oh, there was one surprise after another. The big surprise was overall that so many of these stories have such inspiration to them. And it's, it's the continuity that... Families have continued family businesses despite depressions, despite hardships, despite family members having to go off and fight war, wars and all, that they come back and they just continue to do all the things to take care of their families and keep their businesses and their communities going. And they really enrich our lives. These little businesses... um, like a Soulard Spy Shop. Oh, my goodness, what a treasure that is in Soulard Market. They sell four to 600 pounds of spices a week. Wow. And you you go in there, and the, the aromas in the shop are amazing. And uh, that business was started by German immigrants, uh, they came here at the turn of the century and started the business in 1914, and the third generation of the family is running the business now. So uh, would you say, and now not all of these businesses that you wrote about are still in existence, correct? Or are they? They are. Uh, every they one of are. them? Oh, really? Well, yeah, because the idea of oldest, it's not the first. It's the the places, the parks, the buildings, the businesses. Yeah that are still here. They are the ones that are still operating, still enriching our lives. The places like um, Crown Candy that makes all that marvelous candy and their own ice cream and all, and they started in 1913. And the flavors 
um, it, it, it's like a, a, a trip to the past just with all the flavors. Oh, yeah. You experience the setting and and you can taste things just like your grandparents enjoyed. Well, I will say this, that when I got the book, uh, Oldest St. Louis, uh, Nene Harris is my guest. When I got the book, I went to the table of contents and I started looking down the list and I was going, wow, I wonder what the oldest hotel is. And I didn't know and I didn't go to it. Um, I was assuming the oldest pet food was Purina, but I haven't even got to that part. Uh, but when I got to the oldest pretzel factory, I was like, oh, it's got to be Gus's. And it was Gus's. <laughs> and I was, so it was almost like a game. It, you know, I, I had almost a, a little game going on with myself. And so I would recommend that with anybody that picks up uh, the oldest St. Louis. Oldest hardware store. Does that does that ring a bell? Uh, let's see here. Page 41. As I'm, I'm looking at it right now oh mark's hardware on north 14th street still in business oh absolutely it's just (laughs) down the street from crown candy it's uh run by the fifth generation of the family it opened in 1875 and the patriarch of the marks family came here in 1848 at age 17 he was a german immigrant and he started out uh well he was a blacksmith and then, well, he only stopped that trade in, in, for a while in 1861 to serve with the volunteers with the Union Army. Oh, my goodness. And he did that. To, he helped save St. Louis for the Union during the Civil War. Wow. And then uh, after the war, he helped his sons get into their own hardware business. They wanted to go into hardware, and he helped them get into the hardware business. And that's Mark's Hardware. And, you and, know, what's um, what's so amazing, Nene, about that, that one store, uh, where I live, we had a, an old hardware store, mom and pop kind of place, uh, down the road from us. And we went, we anytime we were doing any kind of project on our house, we would go there instead of the big box stores because we wanted to make sure they would stay open. And several years ago, they ended up closing down. But can you imagine how much responsibility Mark's Hardware had on building St. Louis? That's got to be huge. And, you know, they provide services to their community that aren't available in big box stores. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I have to tell you about their heating system. Okay. They still use the cast iron stove. Do they really? <laughs> wow. And they're uh, over the, the rolls of pen, uh, pet fencing. There is a uh, print of a portrait of President Garfield that's hung there, we think, since he died of an assassin's wound in 1881. There's old pictures of Washington and Lincoln in among old advertisements. It is a working hardware store, but they never got rid of anything. So you have, like, old advertisements and new. You have the things the neighborhood needs right now, but it's in this remarkable setting. So it's not a Disneyland creation (laughs) of uh, uh, a hardware store. It is the real thing that serves its community. At the same time, it's like superimposed on this piece of, of remarkable history. Um, the building itself is fabulous, 14-foot-high ceilings and cast-iron storefront. Love um, that. 
It is. Oh, it's a remarkable place. And and uh, Steve Marks is amazing, and his brother Andy uh, comes in every afternoon. Uh, Steve lives right in the neighborhood and walks to work. And his brother uh, says he enjoys the store now more than he did as a kid. Wow, what a, what a legacy that that uh, the Marks family has put out there. How fantastic! Um, okay. Oh, it's a treasure. Well, you have done a wonderful job on this book, and again, a great gift idea for anybody that loves St. Louis. Maybe they're not even here. Maybe they've moved off. Hey, send them the book, Oldest St. Louis. And I, matter of fact, here here's the big teaser, Nini. This is what I'm going to leave leave you with, and I don't want you to answer the question. But of all the beautiful parks in the Midwest, in the, in the St. Louis region, let's call it the oldest park ever in the St. Louis region is what? Now, don't answer because we're going we're gonna to have the people go buy the book and then they can get the answer when they get the book. How does that sound? Well, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> but I have to tell you, we have the most fabulous park system. The whole system is so remarkable. And that's and exactly why I mentioned it. Even the, the St. Louis Parks is, is awesome, but even the Missouri State Parks and Missouri Parks oh, are fantastic, too. Yes, yes. We are we are such fortunate people here, and um, sometimes we don't appreciate how lucky we are to live in this city. It is a treasure. I couldn't agree with you more. I will tell you, on page 83, the oldest florist, and I see their vehicles running around all the time, WKF, Walter Knoll Florist. You've got a, a, a story about them as well, and that goes way back. What, 1877 they've been around? Well, I could document that they were selling flowers in 1877 in the Carondelet area, uh, the Carondelet neighborhood of, of St. Louis City. Wow. And I'm I'm pretty confident that they were on that street by 18 uh, 1870, but I couldn't find enough documentation to prove it. The original site is of the florist is actually under the highway right next to Carondelet Park. Wow. Wow, how much fun. This book is a treasure, and Nene Harris, you are also a St. Louis treasure. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for joining us on KMOX. Thank you. We hope you are enjoying the program. My name is Bo Matthews. There is more to come on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. We have a special guest. Jody Goodman is uh, with the Federal Trade Commission, and uh, her bio is actually she's an attorney in the Division of Marketing Practices in the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection, and she litigates fraud cases. So if you think you've been frauded or uh, you are scared of being frauded, well, this is the conversation you want. Welcome to St. Louis and KMOX. Jody Goodman, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Well, thank you for joining us uh, because this is a very you know scary time. Everybody's looking for answers. I get I get uh, headlines and I'm like, oh, it's got to be true because we're so anxious to find answers to the pandemic or the election or whatever. But your world is different in the fact that you are you've got your finger on the pulse of frauds that are going on in our country right now. Can you speak to those? things that, that just everyday Americans could be a, a, a victim of. Absolutely. The most popular, I, I hate to use the word like popular, but the most common complaint that we get is about imposter scams. I'm sure many, many of your listeners have been 
getting calls saying this is the IRS or your social security number has been compromised and rush immediately to make a payment or you'll be arrested and various scary things like that. I personally have received that. And that is frightening, especially when it comes to your social security number. It's very frightening. And it's particularly frightening for immigrants who are worried about federal authorities in general. And and it's just very, very scary. So um, that's the most common complaint that we get. And our advice to consumers is just hang up on those calls. They are not real. The federal government will not call you like that. And no legitimate agency is going to be calling you with a panic call saying you must buy gift cards right away and, and make a payment. So just hang up the phone. Another very common scam is what we call an income scam. And this is what the FTC has taken a major action on that was announced this week which we call Operation Income Illusion. Okay. These are scammers who call people, and, and this is an area where scammers have particularly taken advantage of the COVID pandemic and played on people's financial insecurities and their fears and have used COVID-19 as a means to market programs that are invariably fraudulent and are really just designed to part consumers from their hard-earned money. And we're, you know, earlier in the show, we were talking about income levels for a lot of Americans is so far below what the pre-pandemic numbers were. That's why it's even more crucial that you are vigilant against these. I'm getting things and my wife gets them. She's like, does this sound right? And she'll read me a text that she receives and it talks about her social security number. I'm like, just delete it. Don't click. on it. And then she'll say, oh, but I, I clicked on it to read it. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't click the link within it. So I think she's okay there. Um, that That's true, right? Uh, well, that is, uh, you're getting into another area of scam. Sometimes the, uh, it's very good advice to not click on any link from any suspicious or unsolicited offer. Right. That you are telling your wife the right thing to do. There are some red flags that people can be on the lookout for because sometimes you might get offers of a way to earn money from home. And this falls in the category of income scams that I referred to earlier. Ways to safely earn a great income, no experience required. We're hard on our, down on our luck because of COVID. And this is a great way to make a thousand dollars a week without leaving your, your home. These are also very likely scams. And there are things that your listeners can do, Bo, to protect themselves. Okay. The first thing is be on the, the first thing is to be on the lookout for limited time offers. Act now. This will only last for a short time. This type of timing scare tactic is a way to get people nervous and to think that they have to sign up right away. And our advice is don't do it. Step back. Take your time. Be skeptical about success stories and testimonials because these can be faked. Very frequently are faked. And do some research. And this does not mean a heavy lift. This is something as simple as take the name of the company and put it into a search engine along with the word scam right. or the word complaint or even just looking for reviews. And you might find people who have lost money to that enterprise and, and you'll be forewarned and you'll be protected and you won't do it. And I would urge people to check out tips in general for avoiding scams at our website, ftc.gov slash scam. Okay. And more particularly, specifically, ftc.gov slash income scam. 
Jody Goodman is our guest. She is uh, an attorney in the Division of Marketing Practices in the uh, Federal Trade Commission's Bureau of, uh, Bureau of Consumer Protection. And, you know, it seems like every year they the scammers get refined and they and they get, well, I hate to say better at what they do, but it's more convincing. And, we, you know, of course, even in corporate America, we're always getting, you know, warnings from our, you know, security department, you know, through our email. You've got to look at the website. Does it say bankofamerica.com or does it say bankofamerico.com? I mean, it's something that's so slight and so, you you know, the normal person wouldn't see it because the logo seems right. This, you know, it, it all seems legit. But again, I think we're all vulnerable because we're all looking for answers. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And always be skeptical of those. I've gotten them myself. As you said, you, you've gotten them. Your wife has gotten them. Yeah. I'd be hard-pressed to find someone who hasn't gotten either a fake email or a fake text. And you're absolutely right. There might be the logo will look good and it will be uh, well, someone fishing for your personal information. Do not ever give your personal information to someone who asks for it via text. And by that, I mean social security number, even your birth date, bank accounts, things like that. Keep those things private. I was, and also, you should... You know, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that everybody should be on the lookout this because for this because nobody is immune. And many scams these days are targeted towards particular groups, such as military families or students or Black Americans or immigrants or Latinos and older people, retirees. We've seen scams targeted to each of these groups, even even in the uh, deaf and hard of hearing community. They have been targeted by scams. Oh my goodness! So some of them are generally marketed, but some of them are very specifically targeted. And don't think you're immune because it's very easy, as as you mentioned. Both scammers are very good at what they do. Uh, They're yeah. very convincing, and we're vulnerable. Uh, Jody, um, now are these scams originating within the borders of the United States, or are or are they uh, still primarily overseas operations? I, I think it varies very much on the type of scam, and the, the, I would say both. There are many, unfortunately, who are operating. Here in the United States, just last week, the FTC filed suit against, or within the last two weeks, filed suit against three different scams, or four different scams around the country. One was in Los Angeles called Moda Latina, which was a reselling, reshipping business for luxury items, telling people that they could make money from home by ordering luxury merchandise and then reselling it. And we took action in a federal court in Los Angeles and and are seeking to have them shut down. There's another case that the FTC filed last week in Maryland. The organization was based in New Hampshire, and it was a an investment scam where people were told that during the pandemic is a great time to make a killing in the stock market, and we're going to tell you how to do it. And of course, the people who paid for these wonderful seminars just lost their money and did not make anything and we're not able to make the investments that they were promised. Oh my goodness. And another one, there there were there are more. So these these unfortunately are homegrown. There are many robocalls and that type of thing that originate from outside the country. Right. But I'm sad to say that there are many, many domestic companies, fraudulent companies operating. Well, I, I really appreciate your time and getting it out there. And for those people that spend so much time scrolling social media for the next TikTok video they want to watch or whatever, 
how about taking uh, uh, you know a half hour and going to ftc.gov slash scams and just learn about these because people are going to talk about them probably over the holiday dinner table. Hey, did you hear I got this and this? This is where your knowledge of these things can help, and that's what the uh, the uh, Trade Commission is, is all about. That's what you guys do on a daily basis. It is, and I would just add one more thing. If any of your listeners... If any of your listeners believe they have been the victim of a fraud or a scam, we really urge people to to tell us about it because we look into this and and that's how many of our investigations start by looking at consumer reports. And the URL for that is reportfraud.ftc.gov. I love it. Okay, you're making it really simple for those of us that are listening. <laughs> go go to these websites and and make sure. Here here's the deal. If you question any text or email that comes in, don't immediately respond. Take, like I said, 30 minutes, maybe do a little Google search to find out if something like this is similar. Uh, when you get, you know, the scam risk uh, alert on your phone, don't answer the phone for crying out loud. Jody, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Jody Goodman, our guest here on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX, I wish you a very, very happy holiday, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you. My name is Bo Matthews. Stick around. We've got more for you coming up on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX, and if you love to read, there's a new book out this year called Jesus Politics. It's written by Phil Robertson, the patriarch of the Robertson clan in Louisiana, otherwise known as uh, the star of Duck Dynasty, Duck Commanders, their duck call company. Phil Robertson, welcome to KMOX in St. Louis. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It is such a pleasure to talk to you. You had a hurricane go through the last time we were scheduled to talk, and this is an honor. I've read every book. I've seen uh, everything. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife and I, we uh, we have dinner with you and Unashamed uh, every night. Every night you guys are sitting at the dinner table with us, and it, it's such a great we're Bible good. study experience. It really is. We're good, man. We're trying to infuse a little good into our culture and trying to do get get them to do something, you know, really earth-shattering, loving God and loving each other. Bo, it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> it, you know, but it's so simple, and I just don't understand it, and, and that's why I'm so glad to have you as uh, my guest, because it is so simple. But, you know, when it boils down to it, would you agree that uh, we have to start with the young people in our lives, the children growing up, the teenagers, you know, there's just so much input from all these phones and computers and stuff. We've got to get them on the right track early. When they, I was a sophomore in high school, if I remember correctly, and these edicts, government, uh, Supreme Court edicts, they got to passing them down, Bo. They forgot that there's a big difference between the Supreme Court and the Supreme Being. (laughs) And what they did was they literally ran God, the Bible, love, joy, peace, patience. They ran God out of the school system, and that was 60 years ago when I was a sophomore in in uh, high school. So, Bo, the chickens are now coming home to roost. 
It is so true. How, but how do we how do we get to them? That's my biggest my biggest question for you is how do we get to those people that don't believe and have no idea? I, I was very thankful to be uh, raised in a Lutheran church, so I had the foundation. I like you, you know, drifted away a little bit, but I still had that foundation there. And yep. for for anybody that is has had a foundation, you went to church on Sundays, you woke up, you were grumpy, but now you might be missing something in your life, and it could very well be. God. Uh, yeah. You know, I have noticed this, and this is the first time I've actually seen this. I was 28 when I repented, turned to God. Well, now I'm 74. This is the first time I've seen this. Every week, we got a little place we meet. I don't go to town, but once a week, I go up there. It's uh, it's about half African Americans, half white, which is a wonderful thing, and we're all together in there. And the homeless come in, and we've got we the women cook up meals for them, and so everybody's well fed. We study the Bible, we remember Jesus. So, and we got on this podcast, uh, the one you referred to, and every week they come from all the states in the United States. There'll be 10 different groups, each one of them a different state. They just keep coming, Bo, one after the other, group after group, husband and wife after husband and wife, and they want me to baptize them. And so you're doing just, it, and you're gladly and doing, I'm it. doing it. So I'm seeing out there and across America, I've never seen that before, that many, because they're the ones who either fly down or drive down. And that's a long way from, you know, people coming from Canada and Michigan and I don't know, all across the northern part of the United all of California. There was a couple of the day, they walked into the the baptismal pool and the little girl, she was about 25. She said, Mr. Robinson, I want you to know that I've been a far left wing uh, liberal zealot. And I have been out in the streets with them, the ones you've been seeing. She said, I read one of your books. Yeah. I'd never even heard about Jesus. I didn't know enough about him to even consider him. She said, but after I read that about what he's done for me, removed my sin and guaranteed me I could be raised from the dead, she said, that's why I'm here. I said, who's that with you there? And she said, that's my mama. That's my mother. And her mother was there with her. So both of them said, we were on this left-wing train, and now we're so ashamed of it, and we're turning from it, and we're turning our lives over to God. So the answer to your question, we just got to keep sharing the gospel with them. Look, God become flesh 2,020 years ago. We're all counting time by him for crying out Amen. loud. Amen to that. So he at least, if one individual, our calendar's based on one individual, and by the way, that's worldwide. We all count time by Jesus. I would think if you count time by an individual, one out of all those people that's walked on planet Earth, I would think if you count time by him, you might all investigate him. <laughs> I'm thinking that's a that's a good idea. Now, in your book, Jesus Politics, you you actually had a conversation uh, with your family, and I forget who it was, uh, but, uh, but you said you don't think you'd ever led a liberal to Jesus, and now you have done that. 
Um, that are, is correct. Are you seeing more of that? Are people revealing that, hey, I'm, I'm a former liberal, and, and I also now believe in Jesus? More and more, and more and more. I'm seeing more and more. I thought, well, I was beginning to wonder <laughs> if you act. But, you know, if you get off, if Satan controls a human being, Everybody at some point in their life has been under the control of Satan until they ran up on Jesus, yeah. which released them. It freed them. You'll know the truth. The truth has set you free. Well, he means set you free from Satan, sin, guilt, law, having to be perfect here under grace, and finally be set free from the grave itself. Bo, I call that a game, set, match, my man. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, you, now you literally have all these people coming to you. Now, I, I live kind of in the woods, not not a big a spread as you got, but uh, we we like our privacy, right? So, all these sure. people that are coming to you from all over are, are are is that a welcome feeling in your heart to have them coming oh, to you? It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I walk up to them every week. I walk up, and I've never seen them before, so right. I'm like. In fact, where we are, a lot of times there are more visitors coming for the specific purpose of me to baptize them. They're coming down here from all these different states. There will be more visitors than members. <laughs> well, so, the, we're all family, right? We're all family. Well, you, yeah, you talk about uh, 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 down-to-earth first-century Christianity we sing two or three songs, and we partake of the Lord's Supper, remember Jesus, the blood that was shed for us, and the body that was nailed to the cross. And, and then I get up, and I speak for about 25 or 30 minutes, and then we're, the, the, the baptisms start taking place from the, all the visitors. And they, they all tell me, they say, Mr. Robinson, that is the simplest, purest form of Christianity. There, there's no structure to it. And, and 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 you don't get paid. I said, oh no, we don't we don't pass around a plate. You know, get people's money. No, no. You know, we just we we pay for the electric the electricity in the building. You know, where there's a little heat and running water. But you say there's no money changing hands, Bo. You're just you a know, fisher of men. That's all you're that's doing. That's right. Yeah. We just keep keep it simple. No, it's all free. Think about it. What Jesus did for us. It's the only health care that has eternal health care tied to it, Bo, and it is free. What's, yeah, what's the premium on that, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everything so, else, boy, you better reach for your billfold. Kinda, I kind of think that America needs to take a few lessons about we need to keep this thing simple and just and, and learn how to love God, like I said earlier, and love each other. Even your enemies. pretty well good to go, Bo. Yep, even your enemies. Now, we're talking with Phil Robertson, uh, the patriarch of the Robertson clan in uh, North Louisiana. His book is Jesus Politics. I've read it from cover to cover on my gadget. I read it on my gadget. Um, but I, uh, it's the Wachita. Is that, is that what it's called, the Wachita River that you live alongside? Wachita. Yep. Okay, so you sometimes have people in the church that you're at a baptismal, you're doing the baptisms there, but you also do them in the river as well, if people can find yep. you. Um, That's right. Read this book, Jesus Politics. You can get it on you know, on your gadget, or you can get the actual book itself. And Phil, I know we're short on time, but it is such a pleasure to talk to you. Keep preaching the good word, sir, and uh, my best to your family. I thank you, Bo. Take care, man. All right, be good to yourself and uh, to each other. Thank you so much. Phil Robertson. 
I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and this is a bow on the go stop. I'm in Hillsboro, Missouri, and in Hillsboro, uh, I've been in these parts for a long, long time. I've driven Highway 21 a lot through the business district, going down to the fairgrounds uh, every year. And a few years back, I was like, where did that come from? We are in the bar of what they call the Russell House. And I've got Doug Diekman. Uh, he's the owner and uh, the contractor that did all this. We are inside this beautiful venue. And I, I call it a venue because it's a restaurant. It's a bed and breakfast. It's it's a little bit of everything. Welcome to KMOX. Doug, how are you? Been doing real good. Thanks, uh, Bo. You bet. Uh, how, how long have you guys been open? We'll be uh, four years this February. Okay, so why didn't nobody... Why didn't anybody know that this place existed before? Because I would drive by this stretch of 21 and I'd see trees and that was about it? That was it. Yeah, it was uh, overgrown in the front, uh, just a ton of trees. The only way you could see it was up the driveway. And unless you actually stopped, you couldn't see very far up the driveway anyway. So it was kind of hidden behind everything. I saw it because I owned the liquor store across the street at one time and was able to see it. And came up for sale, got it, renovated it, and turned it into what it is now. Okay, so uh, how big of a building? I mean, because every time I've gone by here where the parking lot's jammed, it's usually on at uh, Friday or Saturday night. Um, at, at what point did you say to yourself, I think, th- I think Hillsborough needs something like this? Oh, many years even before I got into this. Uh, we had a, another restaurant in town that did fairly well, another steakhouse, and they ended up moving off and stuff like that. And it was just like Hillsborough needs something, something better than, you know, a, a fast food or some other type of restaurant, you know, that was here at the time and but no place that you could sit down and get a really decent meal at and that's what we created here you have absolutely done that uh this is my second visit here i'm meeting with uh, the sheriff of jefferson county for lunch today and gave me the opportunity to meet you which is fantastic uh but i just learned this morning looking at your webs or your facebook page that you guys serve breakfast lunch and i didn't know you did breakfast we're open eight to eight every day um we got awesome breakfast here awesome lunches you had uh, dinner time, we expand the menu a little bit farther with some more steaks and some more dinner time type foods. Uh, but breakfast, uh, really awesome breakfast. One of our flagship things we have on there that we came up with is a crab cake, egg, crab cake egg Benedict. Come on! Yeah, it's one of our crab cakes, house made, <laughs> real lobster, real crab in it, um, on an English muffin, poached egg fresh hollandaise sauce. That is fantastic. When the sheriff and I were sitting here uh, having our lunch, I had the prosperity sandwich, which I'd never had before. When I mentioned it, when it was mentioned, it was on Texas toast. I was in. Uh, but uh, we were sitting there talking, and I was like, this reminds me. I grew up in southern Minnesota, and in, uh, outside of Rochester, there was a place called the Hubble House. And we went there on our birthdays or anniversaries or whatever we were celebrating. Is that this kind of venue, do you think? I mean, I know you're open every day for you know breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but do you also find people bringing their parties here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of the supper club type atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's kind of a little bit what I, I kind of patterned it under. Um, I'm from Wisconsin, so lived up there, and supper clubs were big. It was something where you got a little bit of Italian, a steak, uh, you know, this and that. It was kind of a mishmash of foods because restaurants were spread out so far and few. You absolutely. couldn't specialize in just one type of food. And so that's kind of what we've done here. And But we draw people from St. Louis, uh, Potosi, Farmington, uh, Illinois, all around. I believe it. And I believe that people will drive for good food and a good experience. And I think that's what you offer here. Because really, Hillsboro is what? Under 3,000 people in this little bitty town? Yeah, yeah. We, we do... Uh, 
fairly decent business, especially with COVID right now. Um, we're still alive. We're open. Um, Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's it just the type of thing where people come and they'll travel, not on a regular basis. I wish they would do more, but they do travel to get here. So have you had like weddings here? Oh yeah, a number of weddings. We've got our large greenhouse room out back that'll hold 80 people seated. Uh, we've got a huge back patio also. We do uh, in the warmer weather music on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, everything is cooked fresh. We make 90% of our food here. Uh, our crab cakes are made in-house. Our uh, tempura batter we, that we put on stuff is all oh, made fresh. The onion rings were over the top. Those are made fresh here. We don't buy the frozen stuff. Yeah. Um, there, there's just so I could go down our whole menu and say, yeah, we make that, we make that, we make that. Yeah. Uh, one of our other appetizers, I don't know if you've had our armadillo eggs yet. No, but the last time I was here, as my entree, I had the deep-fried lobster chunks. The lobster bites? Yes. Awesome. And you know what? That that encouraged me to go home and actually do deep-fried lobsters at home because there's a place down at the Lake of the Ozarks that's famous for deep-fried lobsters. I think it's the Blue Heron. I don't go down there much, but deep-fried lobster tails? Over the top. You might want to throw it to your chef. Yeah, I'll I'll bring it up to him. (laughs) You never know. Um, So uh, if people want to find out more about the Russell House, and do you take reservations? I guess if it's a big party, you do. But where where can people find information about this place? Um, We've got a website and our Facebook page. Our website is rhrib.com. Or if you just punch in the Russell House restaurant in Hillsboro, um, it'll pop up there. We've... uh, migrated it through Google and all the other search engines, so okay. it does show up. There is another place out in Rolla, so kind of pay attention to location, but yeah, 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 Hillsboro, yeah. Missouri. Um, and then our Facebook page is the Russell House Restaurant. Well, I know you're a busy man, uh, but thank you very much for taking the time to sit here and, and explain what this place is about, because again, so many people have been driving down 21 for years, and all of a sudden, boom, four years ago, hey, there's a beautiful place there. And again, it is, from the outside, aesthetically, it's beautiful. The remodeling on the inside, top-notch, man. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. All right. The Russell House in Hillsboro. Put it on your list of places to go to no matter where you are. This is a Bow on the Go stop on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX.